face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. We are live on the air. Welcome to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, and currently we're focused on Star Trek The Next Generation. Today's episode, The Higher Ground, and I'm joined once again by the amazing Trekker Prize. Hello there, Gary. Hello, welcome back. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be here. You can be the, you can be the host today if you want no. to. <laughs> no, please, please. I'm I'm not prepared for that. Well, well, well welcome back indeed. <laughs> um so uh the higher ground uh I just saw it I saw it a week ago and then I saw it last night. So I feel like I've watched it a couple times. So I've got a lot of uh a lot of things uh that I noticed about it that maybe we could talk about. Um what it what would you like to give the episode summary, or shall I do it? No, you should. You should do it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the crew of the Enterprise are on. They're already at a planet called Rutia Four, and uh, uh, the planet is, uh, you know, uh, well, one of the areas, the regions, a uh, major region on the planet, um, is under attack by um, uh, terrorists uh, who call themselves the Ansada. And um, <clears throat> they're led by this guy named uh, Kirill Finn. Anyways, Dr. Doctor Crusher and Worf are having a, a meal after some meeting that they had with the Rutians uh, about medical supplies and, and treating the, the injured from these terrorist attacks when there happens to be a terrorist attack. And all of a sudden, Dr. Crusher you know, goes into action and she's uh, trying to you know, help the, the people who... Uh, who were attacked, and then uh, she's kidnapped by the uh, Ansada. And Worf is like, oh, my God. Oh, Data's there, too, by the way. I forgot to mention. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, my God, Dr. Crusher's kidnapped. So the uh, crew of the Enterprise have to try to figure a way to get her back. In the meantime, the reason she was kidnapped is because the Ansada um, terrorists are using a new kind of uh, transportation device, which doesn't just transport you uh, through space. Uh, which can be detectable, apparently, but it also transports you through dimensions. So it's like a very quick thing. You're basically tearing a hole in space-time, traveling through through it through a dimensional rift. So it's um, it's a very uh, undetectable way of traveling, but it's also very dangerous because it breaks down uh, human or uh, living tissue. So 
unfortunately, the people that have been using this weapon, the the Ansadins, uh, are getting very sick. And so Dr. Crusher realizes this, and she tries to convince the leader, Finn, um, that they just shouldn't be using this technology. And in the meantime, she's also pleading with him to, to see if there's another way that he could resolve their conflicts without killing. On the other side, while the uh, Enterprise crew are trying to gain, uh, you know, to, to save Dr. Crusher, they start working with the local authorities on, on, uh, in the city um, on Rutia. And so we get the other perspective, which is from the uh, police uh, chief, I guess you could call her, um, whose character, do you remember her name? Um, no. <laughs> oh, good I have a grief. quick look. <laughs> I have a quick I look. Think I think it's. Uh, I think it might be. It's so bad because I watched it like two hours ago. <laughs> oh, it's Alexana Devos. Oh, whoa! Oh. <laughs> I wonder if she's related to Betsy Devos. The uh, well, never mind. Sorry. Yowzers. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, so Alexana Devos, the the chief of the 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 police, as it were, the peacekeeping authority. Um, starts to show Riker kind of all the terrible things that have happened, including um, the Ansadin uh, terrorists even bombed a bus full of school children recently. And so, you know, on the other, on the flip side again, the leader of the Ansada thinks he's he's doing something. Uh, he's he thinks he has no other choice than to fight, and it's all over the dispute of territory, basically. So it echoes a lot of. Um, human disputes which are still going on today anyways um finally uh with wesley's help uh naturally he'd be trying to save his mother um they figure out a way to uh detect the uh on Sodans, but not before captain picard is also kidnapped um uh on a, in an awesome battle sequence that we can talk about in detail but yeah. um Finally, finally, the crew of the Enterprise uh, staged their mission to go save Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher, and uh, they're successful. But unfortunately, um, Finn, who might have been able to see um, a non-violent way out if he had more time to spend with people like Dr. Crusher, um, unfortunately, he gets killed. And then a little boy comes in, uh, red you know weapon in hand ready to shoot and dr crusher convinces him not to fight thus giving us the uh uh kind of um uh ray of hope at the end of this very dark dark episode and so that's it i think (laughs) i think i got most of it what do you think yeah you got everything (laughs) oh good so so now i guess we could dive in um what are your thoughts gary wow just right um okay um well, I don't remember... I mean, I remember watching the episode back then. Um, but I didn't have that um, strong connection with that this particular episode. But um, watching it now, um, I I felt the, the message of this. Oh, what are you drinking over there? I'm having a, uh, a, mor- a morning time... Well, it's actually... Almost noon here. I'm having a Manhattan. <laughs> ah, okay. I thought it's a Saurian brandy, but <laughs> looks Sorry, like it's one. A, it is a Saurian brandy. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's what I'm having. So yeah. So now I kind of understand understood the uh, message of this um, of this episode. It was quite. Um, it's it's still relevant after um, 30 years. It's still re- what 27. It's still relevant because it's about terrorism and um, 
you know how um, history changed um, over the political um, situation and how uh, when political and diplomacy uh, wasn't really successful and effective then came the terrorist and they try to make their right make their just have their voice uh, heard over violence which is not really the way but I don't know if it was quite it's quite a complex episode um, I think and I I really enjoyed watching it but I I had a couple of uh, times when I I've I was sort of dealing with um, with emotion emotions because everything that happens in this episode it technically happens these days and yeah it's just it's just a bit hard as a topic but it, it really touches on a lot of grounds that happening these days around, around what, the globe what you know I think you're absolutely right one of the um, <clears throat> one of the things I think Gene Roddenberry um, intentionally did by setting Star Trek in a future landscape as a as a, a, a show in which we travel through space and and discover you know alien life forms is that it's it's much it's much easier to digest stories that are very personal to us in our present time if we're watching it happen to someone else or to you know to to a fictionalized futuristic um, society. So, but but that is the one thing that I would say about this episode. Watching it, I was kind of you know uh, in the same boat as you, where I, it was a very emotional experience because we all. You know, we live with in a world in which we, if we don't experience it personally, we at least know of um, these kinds of attacks, these, this kind of terrorism occurring around the world. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to deal with because we want to believe that humanity has reached a point where these kinds of uh, disputes and conflicts and 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 useless. Uh, killing are over, <laughs> but yeah. they're not. There's there's a lot of people I think like Finn who feel they have no other choice. And there's actually that really um, Data's uh, a journey in this episode is particularly interesting because I think he's asking a lot of the questions that we all you know wonder, especially when we're you know when we're talking about the subject and you know he has that conversation on the bridge with captain picard where he you know basically says is if there's no way to solve a dispute through diplomacy um is is violence then a, a valid option and captain picard says no he doesn't believe that that it is but then data says well what about all these situations where it seems like it was effective like and he he mentions a couple of real things and then he mentions like something that's made up but <clears throat> but <laughs> <Yeah>. reg- <laughs> but regard regardless he's you know he's referring to things and then even Finn the um the leader of the Ansada says hey the only difference between me and your own um George Washington who you think of as a general and a hero is that America won if we had lost, and let's say the British were still the, uh, let's say that the United States was still a British colony, would we then say, oh, the insurgency of, you know, 1776 and the terrorist George Washington was defeated by the British? You know, like, it, it yeah. does, 
It does beg the question, is history written by the, the winners? <laughs> um, Although that, that, that now that makes me think, how the earth Finn knows about the earth history? <laughs> well, it's, it's easy to... I, I imagine just like now... I mean, there's probably... The cool things that you don't really see on Star Trek that you kind of have to imagine uh, is that there has to be some kind of uh, situation... Like, way... Like, imagine the internet, but on a galactic scale. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, like, so he done his research while he was in the Enterprise, boarding and fighting against no, stuff. No, or he, <laughs> or he... Or, or you know, Earth history... Uh, there's probably textbooks that have traveled all around, you know, uh, oh, we'll throughout, run a federation. throughout the galaxy. And so mm. I'm sure you could read about Earth history, Vulcan history, Romulan history. You know, like if you really were interested, it's just like uh, like how Dr. River Song, she's she's a archaeologist, but her instead of just like one planet, she's like trying to figure out the history of the universe, you know? And so I would imagine that there's... And, well, we'll meet um, people like that later. You know, Picard's hero, who's a archaeologist, and then Vosh, she's kind of like a renegade um, <laughs> yes. uh, archaeologist. It's like the river song of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think it's... I mean, you know, the, the real question is, why would he care about Earth history? Well, because the hu- humanity is an integral... Um, portion of the united federation of planets and as far as we know you know the federation just like dr crusher says in the episode is she lives in an ideal society like they have the federation has created probably the most successful and ideal society or civilization up to that point and humans are a huge part of that effort so when someone on rutia who's not a member of the federation who all he's ever known is fighting you know, he's probably trying to research what others did to see if he can use those those same tactics. And he seems to admire George Washington. And these Rutians, they're hu- they're very humanoid. There's not any real difference between them and humans. They actually, I don't know. Did you see any prosthetics? I don't think so. Right? No, not really. Just... The only only difference between them and normal humans is the is the hairstyle. So they had like a <laughs> white right, stripe in their hair. That's it. That, that was right. the only. I should have quite. It, I, I started to think, and I know it's going to be a topic changer from the episode itself, but just a short. Uh, That's fine. Excursion. Take a, it's casual and informal. <laughs> you know, you know the rules. There's no, yeah, there's I know. No, no. There's no rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, I, I was kind of thinking of the makeup. I mean, Michael Westmore and all the makeup uh, team, they did wonderful jobs in all the, with all the makeups and all the um, prosthetics and everything that they've done for different races and different um, episodes for Star Trek all over uh, the 50 years. Well, the last 30 years, let's say, because from TNG, that was the most um, makeup-y uh, era. But... Sometimes some of the aliens are maybe because of budget cut, or maybe they used too much uh, people, and they didn't want to, you know, they didn't have the budget to make up that many, uh, that much uh, makeup for, for a specific race. But some humanoid race just looks exactly like humans, and um, obviously we had an explanation in in the episode Chase uh, that will come up in later, I think, in season five or season six. But it's. Sometimes you just have, like, in this case, you have the stripe in their hair, and and they have a different sort of hairstyle. That's the only change, only difference between normal humans and alien species. And and obviously, everyone speaks English. So, <laughs> well, that's the the, univer- the universal translator, which works. Yeah, uh, 
which which works just like the Babel fish if you <laughs> if you uh, get the that if you've read Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> uh, I saw the movie. So, and it's the it's it's the same device they use on Doctor Who where the TARDIS translates for you. So we can assume that um, the Rutians are speaking their native tongue, which. You know, who knows what it sounds like. But we, the audience, have a universal trans- translator in our computer that's <laughs> translating everything to uh, to English. Or True. Do, I, I'm curious, um, are, you, are, are you able to get... When you watch Star Trek in Hungary, do, was it dubbed in Hungarian? Yeah, it was or, dubbed, yes. It was oh, dubbed. that's amazing. So did, do you think that now that you've heard the actual voices, do you think they got voices that were close to... Like, did Captain Picard um, sound like Cap- like him? <laughs> well, Captain Picard had a different voice. Um, I kind of got used to that um, back home. But um, since I know the original one, and I, I prefer the original from everything, I don't... I still admire it because uh, the dubbing back home was, uh, was quite good. Um, and I enjoyed watching the episodes, and they really gave a, a special feeling to the character, so it has a more personal connection. But... If I go home and I watch an episode in 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 a dub version, I just I just don't no. I just no. I I can't watch it anymore. I I can't I watch totally it anymore. Because, <laughs> I totally agree because um, I'm I am a a big fan of uh, Akira Kurosawa, and uh, a lot of the films you have the option to watch them uh, dubbed or with subtitles, and I never felt like the the dubbed ones were true so i would always just turn on the mm. subtitles it's a harder way of watching a movie but it, i think it's worth it at the end <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> to, worth it yeah yeah to get the feeling that's of, how i got used to it at the beginning i was i was like oh how did uh, i think it was started nemesis when i uh when it came out um i watched it first in um with, with subtitle and i was like wow this is amazing and i started to download the episode well i started to purchase the episode let's see <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I had the had the availability to actually watch the episodes in in English with sub um, with subtitle, I I just I just fell in love with it. And but now I can't mm-hmm. even imagine to watch them in in anything just in English. I think it's I think it's interesting uh, going back to the episode for a second. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like there's a common sort of like a tie-in or a. Th- a, th- a th- kind of just a connection between the vengeance factor um the hunted and this episode and just to remind you the vengeance factor is the one that you didn't like because Riker had to kill yeah uh, the, um, the servant the assassin the assassin yeah. uh lady <laughs> and then um the hunted was the one with the condition were you on that you were you were on that episode right the condition uh, yes 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 i think we talked yeah. about that yeah yeah i think i'm pretty sure we did but anyway yes. <laughs> i starfleet boy starfleet boy doesn't have a great memory maybe because he drinks uh uh brandy <laughs> i don't know are you lost in time <laughs> space now (laughs) (laughs) but um but i thought especially the hunted you know the the prisoners that were that they were trying to fight for their to come home to be part to be whole again as a civilization or as a people right yeah and then also the same thing in um uh the vengeance factor uh the federation reminded those people that hey it's time you became one people again right yeah and so they were on the same thing and here again we have another people divided and this time though even though there's a a a little bit of hope it kind of we don't know how it's gonna it's gonna end like is someone gonna take up 
um, the fight and you know continue to to um, launch attacks, or will th- will the death of Finn now usher in a you know possibly a new a chance to have a peaceful resolution? What do you think? Well, it's kind of hard because everyone. Well, as as um, Davos said at the end, um, if you know if one will die and one will become a martyr and the other one will come and that basically comes with uh, today's terrorism as well because once you like finish one organization another one will pop up because they still want to fight with with their rights and they will still going to you know continue to fight for that the previous organization was fighting for um but now they um, actually talk down to that boy to kill uh, anyone mm-hmm. at the end um there's a, there's a slight hope um i think i think there's a slight hope but what happened with the society what happened with this race after uh, what the routians and i have no idea that's uh, something that i always uh, wonder because you know the enterprise was traveling around the alpha quadrant and and they're traveling from planet to planet and they sort of got in, got themselves into situations and and certain um, well, certain situations, but they never went back to it. Like, okay, what happened after five years? Or there, there's no even a non-canonical um, way to explain. Okay, what happened with that race or that situation? Or did they there, actually kill themselves? <laughs> I know. Well, we found out that the Akamarians. Uh, which were the people from um, the Vengeance Factory. Remember, the doctor said there was a book. In oh yeah. Which in which the uh, Akamarians they they actually got destroyed by the Borg. <laughs> so so, who so knows? May, may, maybe a, maybe a non-canonical explanation for this too. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't really do any research for like the expanded universe um, and to see if there's any connection to this particular um, uh, story. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were. I remember when I was um, younger, there were a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, you know, sort of pocket novels that that um, expanded the stories that you saw. So, I think that like the Rutians probably, you know, maybe have a non-canonical resolution. But in the episode, you hope that something good is going to happen, and you know, it'd be nice to know if the Rutians eventually become a, an affiliated Federation planet. That would be a, a good thing for them. I found Finn. Um, to be a troubling character because I actually liked him. Um, yeah, I, I, I had the same, and I, I felt sorry for him at one point as well. Yeah, I think that like uh, in another life he would have been able to have been an, a, a great painter or a great artist of some kind. Yeah. And you know, the, the it was very emotional the scenes um, where he's drawing and they reveal that he's actually drawing Dr. Crusher. Mm-hmm. And there's that one scene in particular where um, where Dr. Crusher, uh, it's a tense moment, and, you know, he says, I don't want you to, to hate me, or I don't want you to, you know, be afraid of... That's what it is. She's like, is that yes. all you have? Is it, is it fear? And he's like, I don't want you to be afraid of me. And he gives her that... Um, that drawing of her and it just like melted my heart i was like oh my gosh (laughs) because i i think also they they would have made a great at the very least a great friendship between the two of them yeah Yeah, because and again uh that's why i said earlier if there was more time i feel like 
Finn would actually have come around to see reason because uh, having the, uh, you know, they cared about each other. So their two perspectives would have eventually, I think, met in the middle. And I think that that would have been a really nice thing to see. So it is very tragic and, and troubling that, you know, Finn dies. And I thought it was really good, great, actually, writing because you don't get the nice ribbon on top happy ending in this Not episode. In this case, yes. And um, and even and even still, the episode's kind of left with a question rather than an answer, you know. And the question is, what happens next, you know? So I I really like that. And it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, I will look again. But yep, the writer is Melinda Snodgrass, who we really like. She's a she's a excellent <laughs> writer. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the um. The other thing is. Uh, uh, so it gets even more complicated because when Captain Picard is kidnapped, um, Dr. Crusher is just about to say something really important to him. She said, Jean-Luc, there's, if, you know, if something happens to us, there's some things that I need to tell you. And then the lights go out and the, the rescue mission is, is in full effect. So we never really... That's another question. And I wonder if it's... An, I feel like it's answered later on. But I don't remember specifically when. But it's obvious that you know, Doctor Crusher has deep feelings for um, for Jean Luc. <laughs> Crusher had a crush on Picard. <laughs> <laughs> There's a crush. Bad on right. you. <laughs> oh, oh there, sorry. There's a lot. Of, the, there, what, what did you think of the, the 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 battles, the all the action sequences in this episode? Um, I, I was kind of surprised Worf got uh, shot. <coughs> he's not really the one who got gets shot as much. He, rather, he's fighting, and he's. Uh, I was I was so surprised Captain Picard just like pulled. I mean, just you know, throw um, Finn down to the ground and everything. So oh, I, I was so actually I, he he got like an action hero figure in this episode. I think that's <laughs> I think that's the first. If I'm not mistaken, this might be the first time we see. Captain Picard really throw a punch because uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know that he has until now and that, so I I remembered as a kid um, that I remember that's what I remembered about the episode was all the action sequences and <laughs> you know uh, later on when I watched it again and 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 then this time that's when I got all the the sort of nuances of the uh, of the message of the episode but the action is pretty good in this episode i mean you, it starts out with an explosion it's really well done um it still holds up today uh then you have a full-on uh raid on the enterprise like and it's really exciting and jordy has to beam the explosive device off the ship and you know, Counselor Troy's worried because he's like, lock onto my, you know, signal. <laughs> lock onto she's my like, signal. You know, <laughs> she's like, what is he over. saying? <laughs> and then, um, you know, there's the, there's the, uh, then there's, and you think, well, that's exciting enough. And then they do the raid, I mean, the rescue mission, which is another exciting battle. And so it's like, we get like a, a lot of action yeah. in this episode. So I think they pulled it off really well. I thought the action was directed. Um, beautifully, and so that prompts me to mention we should figure out who the director of this episode was. And let's see, I'm on memory. <laughs> I'm on memory alpha. I don't know if it'll tell me over here. I think. Oh, um, producer was Ira Stephen Bear. Yeah. Later and becoming an um, DS9 exec, um, showrunner, executive. 
directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. So oh, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Just one uh, thing about um, about uh, Picard action-packed um, appearance. It says in Trek Corps, Patrick Stewart has an ongoing campaign to give Picard more action and romance. Finally gained recognition in this episode, foreshadowing the later Borg encounter. Whoa. <laughs> just a little back uh, behind the scene um, thing that I found. Cool. So I, I didn't know he was he was actually uh, campaigning. I mean, Patrick Stewart was campaigning for uh, Picard having more action scene in, in Star Trek. It's quite uh, quite interesting, actually. I mean, it's, he I was mean, he was kind of yeah. yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind the captain being the center of the action. It's actually uh, it's actually refreshing to see him to see him do acting that. as Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has his own style. I mean, he just like flew, flung himself. <laughs> At uh, <laughs> at Finn and and just started punching away. So I feel like he has his own thing. But you know, pa- uh, Captain Picard is trained in the martial arts. He fences, as we know. Oh yeah, that's true. Fence. Yeah, He's a that's, fencer true. that's and true. It teaches you, you know, fence. I fenced for many years, and so. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> and it actually had to. It actually had to do with Star Trek. I started. I started fencing. So wow. when I was in high school <laughs> with some friends of mine, but, um, but it does, I think it does help you. It, it helps to train your reflexes and it helps you to kind of, uh, you know, see what's happening. It's a good, it's a good martial art. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so yeah, going back to the, the action sequences, I thought for a television show, it showed, um, that they really, it was much better than the one in The Hunted where we had the styrofoam, the obviously styrofoam. Oh, yeah. In the <laughs> cargo felt, bay. This felt a lot more substantial and a lot more real, so I really liked it. Kudos to the whole team, um, always, but especially uh, noted on this episode. Um, they did I, they did a great job almost and it's, it's really, It ago. went quite fast as well. It was really a surprise attack to the Enterprise. Um, yeah, it was, it was well. It was well. The pacing was very well, well yeah. executed. Everything, yeah, it was really good, and and we'll get more of that, of course, as uh, we have other off, off, awesome, uh, you know, action sequences ahead of us. But that was a oh, that yeah, was a yeah, good yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I really like the the um, the aspects of this, um, you know, fight scene. Let's say, and they targeted each um, segment as well. I mean, they they didn't just you know appear in the in the shape randomly they they went for specific targets for the engine room and then to the command center so yeah it was it was well organized <laughs> here's some uh quotes that uh stood out to me and they there there's some here on uh on memory alpha um the one here uh with data it's uh, but if that's so captain why are their methods so often successful in in reference to terrorism being an effective use from what we talked about earlier. Yeah. I've been reviewing the history of armed rebellion and it appears that terrorism is an effective way to promote political change. And then Picard says, yes, it can be, but I have never subscribed to the idea that political power flows from the barrel of a gun. So it's a very, very beautifully written <coughs> thing. And I, I take uh, Captain Picard's uh, stance a hundred percent. Like I think we as humans, uh, we should be at a point where um, it it just seems that to the average person 
um, which I consider myself <laughs> to be the average per- one, what an average person. Um, it's it's there can be other ways to um, to resolve conflict. Just look at what's happening between you and myself. You you live very far away, but we've never met in person. But we're able to connect and meet up on this YouTube show Cyber and space. talk about Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Think of all the other connections that are occurring. You know, especially in this age of technology and and with with the advent of the internet and making it really easy to to just reach out, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, connect absolutely. with other people. Um, I think more and more the average person sees the world a little bit differently than our political leaders maybe do, and <laughs> maybe maybe the conflicts that are occurring are not necessary. Maybe that's not what the people want. And all leaders should be leading for their people, not for themselves or their own interests. So that's the... Uh, <laughs> are we talking the, about uh, someone particular? <laughs> I think we're talking about Something a lot tremendous. of someone's. It's, I mean, there's a lot of focus on the United States right now. Yeah, but these uh, these uh, kinds uh, of not, things not, are... Not just, not just the States. Not just the States. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> there's some other I crazy... Think a lot of as a other guy with crazy hair <laughs> in the other side of the globe <laughs> <laughs> and i i think that there's a lot of uh a lot of disconnect i th- i feel like there's a huge disconnect between the authority that we that represents us and us as as average people and i i hope that you know and, and i think it's evident we just had the you know yesterday these were, these episodes are recorded uh in advance so this one won't appear for a few weeks but yesterday in real time in this time was earth day and yep. there were science marches all over the world and and i think that you know obviously as star trek fans we're we're going to be fans of science but it's not just something that a nerd should be interested in i think everyone should be interested in science because science is responsible for every major good development as well as some that have been used for bad but just everything that's good with society science has been responsible for it's up to us how we use these things exactly. obviously that's just what i wanted to say it's not what they create <laughs> it's how we right. use them <laughs> how we use them correct but but my i guess to further that it's like if we're if we're not investing in science as a, as a civilization as as human beings um then we're going to definitely lose ground in the um in the ultimate fight which is i think to to have a united human planet you know not yes there's not you know like there there's still cultures there's still uh you know regions and things like that but we're all part of one one planet and i think once that realization comes to pass great things will happen for humanity and and star trek's just a imagined version of what that future could be like but it can it might be even more wonderful than what we could even imagine so that's that's all i've got to say i think think gene roddenberry said it about star trek he he actually set up a guideline um a potential future how the humanity if they really grow and work towards their um their idea and their being the unity, then then Star Trek was a great example to to actually achieve that goal and to have this uh, utopian future in a realistic way. And right. I I I hope this idea and not just it not, not it doesn't just you know live these days and it is 50 years is a tremendous uh, time 
to actually live up to this um, ideology that he uh, set up back in the 60s. Um, but I hope it will goes on forever. Honestly, it's it's something that has to has to survive and has to um, still guide humankind. He was he and was just he was just a brilliant person. Honestly, I, <laughs> if he would if he was alive today, I would just give him a big hug. <laughs> I I agree. I would love to. I would love to have the opportunity to give uh, Gene Roddenberry a big hug too. <laughs> Very cool. Um, the other thing, um, I guess. So, who did you, which side did you sympathize the most with uh, during the episode? Did you oh, feel oh. more for the routine, um, the mass population represented by the police, or did you feel more for the uh, uh, Ensadans uh, who are seen as terrorists? Uh, and do you think that the Federation or Starfleet is, I guess, or the Federation? is uh, guilty by even getting involved and helping one side over the other. Well, that's <clears throat> that one thing is is um, that I was thinking uh, during this episode, and it comes down to uh, the conversation between Flynn and Crusher. Um, Flynn pointed out um, the Federation itself. The, everyone thinks the Federation is so mighty and so civilized and so um, great and, and bright and happy. But um, all the achievement that uh, the Federation gained, it's, uh, it went through war and, 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 and situations that not really happy, and they caused a mass uh, massacre and, and you know, it's a big loss for big wars and big um, attacks um, happened to actually achieve that goal. So <clears throat> I think Flynn came from the idea, okay, they're fighting for something um, that one day can lead for unity and understanding with the routines. So I won't pick a side for in this case because I, I'm I understand both of the both of the race, both of the ideology, what they actually hold up and what one side wants and what the other side wants. I think the problem is is the mutual understanding that was missing from that was missing between the two uh, two group. If they could have just sit down and talk, because that's, I know actually this is a Doctor Who quote, but <laughs> but that's what he said in one episode. Just this is the uh, this is the ultimate ending. Just sit down and talk. That's that we should all do, and that would avoid a lot of uh, things like wars and and um, you know rebellions and and just uh, destruction itself. So I I wouldn't pick a side, <laughs> but, but I think. think- but do you think Finn Finn correctly points out to Picard? He says the Federation was already involved because the Federation chose chose a side. They chose the Rutians because the Ansadans are a small group on this larger. You know, uh, I don't. It's kind of like I let's compare it to you know something that was happening around that time, which was uh, Ireland versus. You know, Northern Ireland. Um, you know, there's there was a lot of conflict between Northern Ireland and um, and there were and, and you know there was a small it was a small group, and all they wanted was one unified Ireland, right? Which is actually yeah. not it's not a bad cause, right? It's it sounds no, no, like something something good, but but there it was obviously a little bit more complicated than that. But that's similar to what's happening. In, you know, the, let's just take that from real life to here. Um, obviously, we 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 saw that. Thank goodness, the that movement um, resolved actually very, you know, wonderfully. Like the the freedom fighters realized, okay, we're 
were killing people <laughs> in 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 that case, and so a treaty was struck and a you know kind of like a a peace was found uh, out of that situation. And I do believe that that's eventually going to happen, you know, with the Ansadans and the the rest of uh, of Rutia. But do you think that Finn's right? I mean, the Federation clearly has. Uh, you know, has chosen a side in this uh, situation, and doesn't that make them kind of like? Once you see what the Ansadans really want, you realize yes, they're misguided and and they're doing it the wrong way. But what they want, maybe, maybe is possible. You know, like maybe they can have a free state in which their because their culture is obviously different from the rest of the routine culture and they and they're really only trying to preserve preserve whatever their life style is you know and and keep those differences and is there anything really wrong with doing that <clears throat> that's the question data <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah and i think picard kind of pointed out that's something that um a long time to figure out and they actually still try to figure out um well <laughs> kind of well I, I don't correct me if i'm wrong but uh, the, the federation itself wasn't um involved uh, i mean i i don't remember um hearing it from picard but they they transferred some medical supplies to the planet, but it wasn't really clear from the episode for, for me uh, if they proceeded that because of an order or they were just a transport partner in this case. If they are a transport partner, um, just you know, having the Enterprise as a, as a let's say, a postal service, <coughs> they bring medical supplies to one, from one point to the other because why not they go in there anyway, um, then it's not really, they're not really involved because that's not coming from them, but uh, yeah, I guess it's it was federation. If, the, if um, the federation, if the federation truly didn't want to be involved, they would have just they would have reached out to. I think a scenario could have been they would have reached out to both the Rudians and the Ansadans and said, "Hey, uh, you know, the Rudians have reached out to us for help. They need medical supplies. We're going to give them the medical supplies, but we also want to give medical supplies." to you guys. We wish that this this kind of like act will also make you realize that what we want for the whole planet is to an end to the conflict. But the Federation didn't do that. They took the Rudian side because they thought and even Captain Picard, he's rather arrogant about the Unsodans. He he's like that li- him and his little band of uh, of thugs managed to uh raid the enterprise you know attack the enterprise remember like he kind of like you know so i feel like uh it's easy for us to kind of like empathize with the rudians but you know it's harder to empathize with the with the ansadans until we meet finn and then that's what that's what kind of got me in this episode was like i was like well yeah finn is wrong but so is so is uh, Devos. Like they're both wrong. You know, it's like 
two wrongs don't make a right. The real right Ooh. solution, neither of them are seeing. And the Federation could have done something to help both sides see that, but they took a side. So I wonder how you feel about that. And do you think that they <laughs> took a side? <laughs> uh, you're, on, I, you're, on I, the hot, you're on the hot seat, Gary. <laughs> oh, my God. And actually, I'm freezing. I might close the window. <laughs> um, no, I'm, you know, I'm just... And this is just turning my mind just right now but while you're explaining all the things um, and I could be totally wrong obviously but um, and it's a really a crazy idea from my side but if you remember Star Trek Insurrection um, you know the Baku and the Sona and they basically right. teamed off with the Sona and they you know just to just to have the, um, the planet and the rings are, um, you know, used as a force to regenerate and, you know, just to bring a new life for the Sona and, you know, use everything, uh, all the planets, um, at the rings, the power of the rings to, you know, medical, medical experiments and these sort of things. Um, so they teamed up with the Sona, but the Sona um, wanted to, you know, sort of transfer the Baku and they took a side at one point, they took a side of the Sona without really caring about the Baku and in this case um, I think this is like a, um, a Cold War it feels like it feels like the Federation supplies uh, medical treatments for the <laughs> the Rutians and they don't really care about the um, the other side and it's like it's like technically when Certain countries provide um, uh, guns and um, medical supplies for the for the enemy, but then they're fighting with each other. It's like they're selling their stuff for the enemy, but you know they're using it against. So they make double money, um, and basically that happens. I think <laughs> the Federation sort of uses medical supplies for trading with the Rutians, uh, you know, to get rid of these uh, bad guys that they think is the bad guys, but they didn't really uh, look into the, you know, the aspects, and they just uh, feed the Enterprise, uh, just, okay, you just have to bring these medical supplies because they are suffering with some um, really bad conditions and they have problems and blah, 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 but they don't really uh, care about the Ansata. Not, not a, <laughs> I don't think at first, but you're absolutely right. That's the impression <laughs> that I got. As well, I, I think that, and and you know, it's great that you brought up the Sona thing. To me, that was so crazy to see that the Federation was actually approving this, like what seemed like a, a really horrendous plan, and that Admiral was just awful, awful person. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> you know, so so it's a lucky, it's a good thing there are people like Doctor Crusher and. Captain Picard, who, while they, you know, both of them at first, while they're bound by their own ideals, and they, you know, of course, they're they're uh, they they're repulsed originally because the Ansada are the attackers in this situation. They are the they are a, a violent aggressor, but I think ultimately, at the end, they see that like given time, there could have been a peaceful resolution. Um, so yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's a tough one, but I think you know the Federation. What I like is that in this episode you see that the Federation itself is not perfect, you know. And even Doctor, 
I think Dr. Crusher kind of, um, you know, in that one scene, she says, I live in an ideal society, but that doesn't mean it's a perfect society. It's not a, she doesn't call it a utopian society. She calls it ideal. And I think that's a really good distinction, um, to make there. Did you know that this episode, um, when it originally aired, um, in the UK, they censored the dialogue between uh, Data and Captain Picard that we referred to earlier, where he's where he's talking about uh, the unified Ireland and all well, those actually, other things. Well, actually, in Trekcore, it says the episode was banned from broadcast ben- on oh, wow, British station that. BBC Two <laughs> due to similarities with the Northern Ireland conflict at the time. So, yeah, I, I was actually quite surprised on this one. It's like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, it says... Um, Originally, the episode was conceived as a parallel to the American Revolution, but the cause was changed to resemble that of Northern Ireland, according to writer Melinda Snodgrass. So they changed it because of the situation. But originally, it was the American Revolution, which is kind of interesting. Which you could tell because uh, the George Ro- the George Washington reference, oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. in in the episode earlier. I do like that at the end, uh, Doctor Crusher basically uses her motherly powers on that child, and she just oh, like yeah. stares him down, and she's like, "No more killing," and he's like, "Yes, I understand." <laughs> So I, I thought uh, Gates McFadden's performance in this episode was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a, a nice, um, a nice addition to our knowledge of Doctor Crusher. There were a lot of cool um, reveals about her personality and her ideas, and just the way she handles a, a really tense uh, situation. I really liked it, and and the little bit of romance, uh, and it was really well acted because. You know, it didn't it didn't distract you from kind of the overall uh, intensity of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was. Um, and at some point, I felt um, on Doctor Crash's play, um, she wasn't really acting. At some point, it felt like she's uh, she's not really acting when you know when they they said, "Okay, I have a son in the ship," and she was kind of dealing with um, so deep emotions. Like, okay, she might never gonna see Wesley again but then I don't know I just I just felt she wasn't acting that much it must it was more um more herself or maybe she was just a really good actor I don't know (laughs) well what I mean she she is a really good actress and I think that in my opinion and I think that um, she is (laughs) I think that like that is the mark of a really great um performer you know in in television or film is when you you're convinced that what they're conveying whatever emotion they're conveying is is real and so we you know it'd be interesting to know where she pulled her inspiration for that performance uh but i think that it's probably it's very likely that she did pull it from a deep place and that's why it came across so authentic and so you know uh realistic and I agree 100%. So uh, kudos to Gates McFadden. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, was... she, really, she really, I think, uh, really d- dove deep into this material and, and made it come alive uh, for me and, and obviously for you, it looks like. So yeah, very yeah cool. no, absolutely. Yeah. I've got, totally got it. <laughs> cool. I think, I think we covered everything about the episode. Do you have any other observations or 
or questions or thoughts? No, not really. No, I think that's it. <laughs> let's uh, let's give it a rating. Um, shall I go first? Yeah. Go, oh wait, is it still the one to ten or five? One to five? Yeah, it's all, it's no one to ten always. Always. <laughs> okay, because in my in we my were, show I I gave like one one to five, so that's my rating system. But it's one I, to ten here. Okay, good. <laughs> I start I started out with one to five, and as the doctor pointed out, there's no nuance to it. You can't ju- you can't like give a you can't give like a half rating because it doesn't make sense or whatever. And then I was just going to go to thumbs up and thumbs down, but that's too simple. So <laughs> I think the 10, the 10 point, I actually don't really, the, the more I watch Star Trek, the less I think they're all good episodes. You know, it's hard for me to give a low rating to a, to a next generation episode, but I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess you have to try your best. But for me, this episode uh, is an 8.5. Uh, it's a very strong episode, and, and it, it resonates still today. Unfortunately, the themes in this episode are still very relevant for us today, and we do still see a lot to relate to as um, as humans uh, from this episode. And I wish we didn't. I wish we could say, oh, how crazy uh, that humans used to kill each other senselessly. So... You know, eight point five. Great episode. <laughs> what about you? Uh, first of all, I totally agree with you, um, and I think I will go for an eight point five too. <laughs> wow, we're in we're yeah, in Concord. Eight point five. Yeah, very cool. Well, so, I, right. yeah. Well, I'm kind of. Th- I was kind of thinking about nine, but yeah. You know what? Can I can I change my? <laughs> you, absolutely, you can totally. Okay, change it, so. um, go for a nine. I, I'll give you a nine. All right. so that's it that's our discussion for the higher ground an episode that's uh i think really worth watching um and a very relevant episode uh both that both when it aired and still today uh and uh let's let's hope that one day in the future someone will be discussing uh this episode and realize that um the things that it addresses are no longer problems for humanity (laughs) 